RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 4, Episode 4, Fan Suggestions, December 3rd, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you history fans, history buffs, you uh, Trekophiles spelled with an F. Glad to have you back with us this Tuesday. And um, we have an interesting little doc again. Uh, a memo that shows that Gene and those around him were keeping their ear <laughs> to the ground of fandom, trying to stay in touch. Um, a lovely piece here from the Roots days of Next Generation, as you'll find out. Um, so take a listen. Uh, you can find the document, of course, as always, at our Facebook page, The Trek Files. But uh, give a listen to this, find the document, and come on back for my guest this week. This is a list of suggestions proffered by the fans at a New York Star Trek convention this past Saturday, November 29th. It represents a consensus of opinion. 1. At least two non-human aliens in the main cast. 2. Have more Earth descendants born on other planets within the cast. 3. More women in the same positions as the men. 4. More exploration of other worlds rather than of the ship. So there you go, Trekophiles. Again, a fairly simple, straightforward document, but it's such a snapshot at the time of, here we are with the roots of Next Generation, the small brain trust, again, putting Next Generation together in this uh, brainstorming memo writing era, the late, uh, late part of uh, 1986, early 1987. What struck me here are so many of the uh, the issues they're talking about are what fandom, it's a very accurate reading of what fandom was saying in the late 80s, 90s coming out of the original series, and also what fandom would say at any period of time. And I, I, I think my guest this week would agree with me. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, John Champion, host of Mission Log and Mission Log Live and also producer-director of this show. What do you think, John? And good to have you back with us I, this oh, Thank week. you. I, I, I do agree. And um, I, I think this memo touches on one of those really delicate, interesting things, particularly about Star Trek, but... Um, it, it, it's yes. particularly relevant because we, we live in a world where fans today have their, uh, maybe not their voices heard, but they express themselves all the time about everything in their fandom. 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel very strongly that writers, producers should tune that out when they create mm-hmm. whatever it is that they create. Um, but at the same time, there is a relationship between the fandom and the production. And this this honestly may be the ideal way that that, that should happen, that that should express itself. Here's Gene Roddenberry, great bird of the galaxy, going to a convention as he has for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 1986, you, so, know, you know, at least 14 years yeah, I was with conventions say, right, under right. his belt. right? And, uh, and has his ear to the ground on what fans are saying. 
saying and what they're thinking, but he's able to kind of filter it down here and bring it back to the production staff. He's probably already edited out the ideas that he didn't like, <laughs> you know, and and he's right. made it just really simple bullet points. And uh, of course, what's interesting to see then is over the seven years of Next Gen, how much of this got taken mm-hmm. to heart and how much didn't. Uh, for better or for worse. Well, I would say it's what's interesting. If we actually look at the document, as I hope everyone's doing as they're listening to us, mm-hmm. he, the number one through ten plus another point. Yeah, uh, they're all in, there's quotes actually around it. Yeah. So I don't, you know, and and I in our short research span here, I couldn't tell if Gene had been at this convention or maybe Susan Sackett or David Gerald or Dorothy. F- Someone mm-hmm. on the staff had come and relayed this. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, what's keen about in, in, in contrast with today, it represents a consensus of opinion. Yeah. So it's a, it is a narrower channel going to a convention live, hearing that back. It's not a 24-7 bloodbath on, on 47 <laughs> different platforms, right? right. Um, so it's easy to get your arms around. Uh, I'm wondering how many other points were one-offs or people actively disagreed. But what struck yeah. me about this is, yes, I remember thinking this about the 70s and 80s and you know early Star Trek. Next Generation kind of blew open the paradigm here, and then all the succeeding shows showed where Star Trek could go. But uh, so many of these points are things I remember thinking at the time, and also I think most fans would... would um, would agree with any Star Trek would, or not any Star Trek, but are good points for any Star Trek series. Having a diversity of species, mm-hmm. you know, gender equality here. Um, one of my, my one of my bugaboos has been let's, you know, the, all the Earth centric things, especially with the movies, right? And some mm-hmm. of that was driven by what was perceived. But show the variety of the Federation, not just in who, who the species are, but let's get to some locales. Let's figure out how does a galactic, forget a galactic empire, how does a galactic democracy work in mm-hmm. practice we can yeah. get off on the theory of how it would work but how what does that look in a physical sense with given ships and bases that are you know warped right so well and keep in know. mind there's always something unique about star trek that whenever there's a reinvention a revival so go back to the end of tos mm-hmm. and there's a that hint of a glimmer of the animated series and immediately, whether it's our you know twelve year old fan who wrote in a, a fan letter <laughs> that we talked about a week ago, or if it's the you know stab Paramount group, um, and you go through that right. and you go up to the movie, boycott the studio if they don't move faster. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And it's one of these things where it's like, okay, fans. Fans are immediately invested in it because they feel like it's their show that got renewed. It's their mm-hmm. show that is being produced. You would you not be standing not here talking yeah. about this movie or this new series if it weren't yeah. for us back in. Right, right, right. And, and it happens every single time. Mm-hmm. It happens every, every single cycle. time there's a new Star Trek, and particularly if there's a gap or there is some reinvention or reboot. Um, so the the fan investment is always very interesting to me. Um, I, some of the points here, I feel like like they honestly they got right right from the beginning they say at least two non-human I aliens like a report card on these on yeah. these goals yeah, yeah yeah so two non-human aliens in the main cast well of course in the original series we had spock and he was our main non-human right um and there uh, it was radical we, just to have non-american whites sure in sure, the ca- sure males in yeah the yeah so right. we're, we're already there in some respect was almost alien. and look go up to the animated series and we get eric's and mm-hmm. uh and, and we, and we Maris. Maris. yeah, yeah. Um, so th- Star Trek is already showing a little bit of that going down that path. Uh, have more Earth descendants born on other planets within the cast? Well, 
okay. Um, I, like the, colonies and other, and other yeah, worlds. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. And, you know, and, and number one, just while we're going through mm-hmm. here, so it, did they, how'd they wind up there? We wound up with Wharf sure. and, and, uh, Troy. D- and Troy, I bet yeah. is it. And, then, yeah. and they have Data. And Data is not human, he's not yeah. a species, but yeah, sure. Yeah. So you got the alien aspect there on the bridge every Dr. week. Dr. Salar, paging Dr. <laughs> Salar. <laughs> yes. Oh, we could go down that path. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. All right. So uh, more Earth descendants born on other planets within the caste. That that's interesting. So non-Earth-born humans is yeah, what it sounds like. That, that's. But I don't really know that that's. You know, unless it becomes a sticking point for a plot issue, you're still talking about a human, right? But I think um, they're trying to feel, and, and and just not to skip around too much. Mm-hmm. But this, the, the number five point here: deal with the moral and social issues that may arise from people being born and raised on the ship. Now, yeah, we've yeah. seen some documents where there was a little bit of give and take about what was this huge new enterprise going to be, mm-hmm. and even in the beginning, some kind of a thought of they're going out for five years. And not really touching base. Remember, when families yeah. are aboard, so they don't have to touch back and be so, so they can be on the rim of explored space, really be out where no one has gone before, literally, and not have it be a drawback to having their family with them and not choose between career. I mean, that all got dialed back as years went by and it yeah, felt more familiar. Yeah. But at this stage, they're talking about um, having people, having families. But then eventually being gone so long that this would be a consideration, having relationships or not, whatever relationship looks like in the 21st yeah, century that yeah. conceives kids. But what is, what's the dynamic of people who are shipborne and raised? Which is something that really never occurred on the series. But that's, yeah. that's, that's a point here. That, well, could, but it kind of leads into this one about somewhere at this group, whoever fielded these, uh, the room that fielded these suggestions, there was a lot of concern about let's not just have you know, bread and butter humans raised humans on Earth. Humans from Earth doing a thing. As, a, as yeah. some texture, yeah. as some story variety. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but was uh, Mayweather uh, was he the first the, character that we know who was not born a human, but not born on Earth? He was born on born on the horizon. Right, right. Yeah. He was yeah. a boomer, and he that's boomer, what yeah. that's the, actually what sprung mm-hmm. to mind. That not until now you have you know alien. You know Odo is the baby you know changeling found sure, with the thousand yeah. goo bobs sent out. Yeah, I mean you've got wacky stories like that, but as far as just the. Mm-hmm. The, the old, you know, vanilla humans. <laughs> yeah. The ones that were, yeah. Mayweather's the first that yeah. immediately sprung to mind. Well, let's talk about some of the others. So, yeah. number three, more women in the same positions as men. Absolutely. Duh. Uh, you know, yes. um, unfortunately, there was some progress there. We had Dr. Crusher, um, and then you go forward a few more years, and we got Captain well, Janeway, and, you know, more well, and more. And the big breakthrough was intended to be a female security chief. Yes. Yeah. Right? Macha Hernandez slash yeah. Tasha, Tasha Yar. Yar who, yeah. Obviously left the show, yeah. You know, soon. But that was a big. They were really keen on on having it, and I think people appreciated that. Yeah. On paper, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, more and here, number four. I feel like I'm reading a memo from Port Robertson on the original series here. More more planet shows, no ship shows. Well, see, I you wonder know. about this one. More exploration of other worlds rather than of the ship. Um, like, you know, it, it, to me, it just it depends on the story. What is the story mm-hmm. that needs to be told here? How many great stories do we get that are on the ship in Next Gen? Well, every great holodeck episode. Um, you have, <laughs> and yes, uh, there are some. Yeah, there, there certainly <laughs> are. 
yeah, yeah. They, they raise great questions about mm-hmm. uh, our relationship to technology and what is sentience, what, right. what is intelligence, you know. Um, and then you look at, uh, was, it's emergence, isn't that the one where the enterprise mm-hmm. gives birth to a, a new intelligence, right. you know. So I think those are fascinating <laughs> stories that are about the ship and some others that are are um, dependent upon the ship. But look, if we're going to tell a great story that's on another world too, yes, let's do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, So mm-hmm. I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Um, and then we move on to number five, deal with the moral and social issues that may arise from people being right. born or raised on the ship, as he mentioned. Um, create a federation not so centered on Earth. I think that goes I, without saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's see that. Um and then, yeah, dealing with the question of our right to colonize another planet, which left to itself may evolve its own intelligent life. And my first blush on this mm-hmm. is, and even though it was a problematic episode, but that was trying to be the interesting point behind home soil. Sure. They yeah, were going to go, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah that, that's a, a good one, actually, yeah. No. And I feel like the first, as, as, as you know, belabored as the first couple of seasons are thought of now and we have the you know the chaos on the bridge with the writing staff and so you know all of that but some of the ideas and and michael pillar coming in and kind of settling the show down emphasizing the family and i know we had some nice high con you know brandon shaking things up on next generation brandon braga Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with some high concept i'm air quoting here shows which they were but that it almost feels like one of the things that went away from next generation or they got away from were some of these oddball uh, situations on planets. Yeah. Or maybe some of the set, Rick uh, Sternbach, Michael Kuda set up some interesting real science-based dilemmas that could that could springboard a story. And I feel like maybe as, I'm, and I'm broad brushing here, but maybe as the time went along and we got into politics and family backgrounds, there mm-hmm. are, to be sure, some great high-concept science stories, but maybe not as many as the the creators here the first year thought yeah. they would be getting into and maybe what this this fan this fan consensus here is yeah perhaps is so. getting into yeah um, well, this is so great. Number eight, don't crowd the controls with many <laughs> flashing lights. You know, first of all, it's funny to me that there would be this this group of Star Trek fans for whom that is a sticking point. You know, look to me. I, I look One at one out of ten. I look 11. at the original series bridge, and I look at the bridges from the movies up until this point, nineteen eighty six, and I go, you know what? Those are good looking sets, and there's a lot of life to those sets. Right, right, and right. It, it sold me when I was a kid. And it sold me when I was an adult. I'm fine with that. Now, next gen, of course, very different mm-hmm. color palette, very different uh, uh, sort of design the language interface, the on whole that dynamic show. Yeah. Right. Elkar is, of course, redefined touchscreens. The whole point. concept yeah. of it. Yeah. And you might even say they went a little too far with that because then it's so serene, it's so <laughs> clean that I, I kind of welcomed when you get to Are you a show all like Tom Paris on me here. Yeah. With- <laughs> you know, well, look when you get to a show like Enterprise, I love the mechanical mm-hmm. feel of that show. Well, uh, yeah, that yeah. was the conceit to get yeah, back to that. Yeah, yeah. Being able to so do that. that just seems like a very subjective thing, and you can do too much or too. Well, much, I, you know. and the other angle too is remember mm-hmm. this is eighty six, and maybe people are saying if the if the evolution here is from the minimalist, and all people may think it's a, it's a little gaudy Christmas lighty, but the mm-hmm. minimalist original series consoles, 
versus what was happening in the movies. Yeah. And yeah. And, and Nick Meyer bringing in his blinkies, yeah, right? Right. Just for blinkies sake. Right. And maybe that was a precaution, a, a cautionary word against sure. that. Sure. All right. Then let's look at number nine, continuity. <laughs> if a fact has been established in one episode, don't change that fact to solve a problem in another episode. I, now, I'm just, I mean, yes, yeah. there have always been... You know, oops, oopsies. But yeah. I thought part of the attraction of Trek was that it had you know, the C, whatever C word you prefer, continuity <laughs> or canon, yeah. but that it did pay attention. Consistency. And I yeah. thought that was for them to feel the need to point that out. Well, is, again, that, that also feels very subjective to me because there are some things that that some fans will obsess over and things that other fans just don't care about. We we just simply don't care if one thing doesn't perfectly line up with another, like a, a date or a reference or, or whatever. But, but others feel very important. Um, and yeah, Star Trek overall does a pretty good job of keeping that that's, stuff straight. That's um, part of the appeal. I'm just yeah. curious what was in this particular room and yeah. the voices that led to that one, I'm just wondering what they were what they yeah. were really focused on. Well, and, and again, this being 1986, there's only so much Star Trek to right. connect. You know, there's the original series, the animated series, and five uh, four, four movies. movies. The fourth so movie, far, yeah. up to that point. The one yeah. with the whales. The one with the whales had just yeah. come out. So yeah. So you, you only got so much to deal with anyway. But look, I if this was all about the fans saying you can't change the Klingons because the Klingons looked <laughs> one way before, and and I'm the guy saying I don't care. I mm-hmm. just don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm the guy that will sigh uh-huh. and then go, okay, let's start Let's start figuring out what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's out there. That ship has sailed. Let's fix it now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right, number 10, please don't let the ship's security come across as <laughs> so bumbling. Okay. Yeah. He has a thing against red shirts. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, it's always unfortunate when you see what's coming, when it's Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Ensign Jimmy. And fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you know that guy's going to die. So it's just, um, it's just. I, yeah. I, I you know, I'm going to. Sometimes I'm going to do a film festival. I'm going to do a watch party where we have all the episodes, the original series episodes, where the fourth guy uh-huh. doesn't die. Oh, that's good. Let's, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's, I think I'm that's a good like, idea. I feel like that's. I've never. You know, I'm not a big list guy, but I feel like yeah. making a list of that. No, that's um, that's one of the tropes that did get pointed out by David Gerald and others along the way. Mm-hmm. And and you watch Next Generation, and they made a decided effort to to uh, staff up. Yeah, security <laughs> right. yellow shirts. Right, uh, with people that didn't die every week. And yeah. honestly, this is a sort of a thing with modern storytelling versus storytelling thirty or fifty right. years ago. Right. Yeah, I, I I sort of blame Joss Whedon, but he did it brilliantly most of the time, which is none of your characters are safe. And it, it raises the stakes. It raises the emotional involvement for the audience to go, oh, wait a minute. They could kill. I'm not going to name you know, spoilers. I'm not going to name anybody. <laughs> but, but to actually say, oh, wait, that person may not come back next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's actually a pretty brilliant thing to do to, to get your investment in those characters and realize that there are real stakes going on to these stories as opposed to, well, we know that guy is going to die. We know the others will be safe. Right. Yeah. Or who did I just read was unhappy in their contract? Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. And finally. Number 11. Limit the use of time travel. 
See, now that to me, that's almost more controversial than uh, than uh, uh, keep your canon straight because some people love time travel. Most people like it, you know, small things in good in doses. I mean, yeah. like well, how many great time travel measure. episodes are there? There's a lot of great mm-hmm. time travel, or at least time bending episodes, and they're terrific. Um, I, I guess my only complaint, the only way that I would side with that, is to say. Don't make time travel so easy. Like in in a lot of early track, time travel is the problem that they have to deal with. Well, right. And later on in track, time travel is just the easy solution, i.e. Star Trek Six. Like, (laughs) oh well, we know what's going on here. Or four. 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 I'm sorry, again, nineteen eighty six. Flip your own Star Trek Four. I know, I know. Um, oh, well, we'll just time travel. We'll just we'll, we'll just go get these things. And then, granted, they made it a big deal, and they really took their time with I, it because I, you can. I knew I just came back from the dead. Yeah. I know I'm on an alien ship that's even configured in alien technologies yeah. and language patterns and yeah. tech patterns. But we'll we'll carry it off. We'll yeah. pull it off. Yeah, because I'm Spock. Right. Right. <laughs> So I, I love this zone. I, I love that it was taken seriously enough to be from Gene uh, to this group of four. To the early brain trust. Uh, Eddie right. and Bob Justman and uh, David Gerald and DC. Um, that's it, it, They're taking this seriously. They're taking fan feedback seriously. But I like the way it's done here. And I also like knowing that, well, you know, we'll take the suggestions, but we'll also bend it. To right. fit what we want to do. And, and just as a time check, they had come up with an early Bible. The mm-hmm. first draft of the Bible was out. The characters were starting to be filled in. Basically what we wound up with, some tweaks. Yeah. Uh, Worf wasn't a regular yet. That was, didn't happen until after the pilot was filmed. But right. um, a lot of these they were they were looking at or they were they were in mind. And I almost feel like he circulated this memo to say, gee, he doesn't say it here, but it may be a, a subtextual uh, Thing of look, we're we're kind of on track. Or mm-hmm. here's what they're saying, and I think we're we're ticking most of these boxes. Yeah, at least on paper, at least at this stage. Right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I just we found that, and I thought this will be um, yeah um, interesting. But and again, it's 1986 versus 2019, as yeah. you said. Yeah, uh, staying in touch with the fan base. John, thanks for dropping by and thank and, you uh, talking about this this thank week. You. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at larrynemichek.com. Trek well, everybody. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network